This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest right now? Are you feeling lonely, unappreciated, or misunderstood? When you keep these feelings bottled up, they can affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's a great way to increase your self-awareness, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now. After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash now for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Creativity, Spirituality, and Making a Buck podcast with David Nickturn on the Be Here Now Network. My name is Michael Cammers, your host, monologist, and sometimes podkick. And it is my privilege and responsibility to welcome you to episode number 34 of the podcast, featuring none other than the amazing Pete Holmes. This is a Watershed CSM podcast, as it is our first episode with a recurring guest, and we could not be any happier to have Pete joining us again. This podcast is from our monthly Dharma Moon Mindfulness and series, where David and a guest talk about mindfulness in everyday life. Our next installment of the series is May 16th, 2022, with Marcella Lobos, who was the guest on episode number 25 of this podcast. If you are listening to this at a later date, we encourage everyone to head over to dharmamoon.com where you can check out all our amazing programming, including the aforementioned free webinars, a monthly community meditation session on third Sundays, Ethan Nickturn's year-long Buddhist studies course, our 100-hour mindfulness meditation teacher training, and more. And a big shout-out up front to the Be Here Now Network for having us on the network. We encourage everyone to head over to BeHereNowNetwork.com. There is a rich and ever-expanding library of podcasts sharing knowledge and insight from the world's wisdom traditions. Fans of this podcast who want to go deeper into mindfulness meditation might find Joseph Goldstein's Inside Hour podcast particularly compelling. You can compare and contrast the lineages of Buddha Dharma from a more Theravadan approach as he presents it versus our Indo-Tibetan flavor here. Okay, let's introduce Pete Helms and then get right to it. I'm sure for many of our listeners, he needs no introduction. I would like to personally and publicly thank Pete for his podcast as it's what led me to being David's student. 
And I know from the Q&A section of this webinar, which unfortunately won't be included here, that a lot of people in our community have been positively impacted by Pete's work. So here goes a short bio to set the table. Pete Holmes is a comedian, actor, writer, and producer, and the host of the You Made It Weird podcast. Pete is known for his cheerful personality, self-aware humor, and musings on spirituality and religion, which are all frequent themes across his work. He also created and starred and wrote on the HBO series Crashing, which was produced by Judd Apatow. He is the author of Comedy, Sex, God, which is described as part autobiography, part philosophical inquiry, and part spiritual quest. And you can now see him on CBS's new sitcom, How We Roll, which premiered on March 31st based on the life of Tom Smallwood, a laid-off auto worker taking a second chance in life following his dreams of being a professional bowler. And now we present to you episode number 34 of the CSM podcast, Mindfulness and Then What, with Pete Holmes. Yeah, great to see everybody. Thank you so much for coming. Special hug to Pete, who I haven't seen for a couple of years physically. We've been in touch, but I miss you, Pete. And it's really nice to see you. It's great to be here. Thanks, David. And, um, you know, when Pete and I met, I just want to say a couple of introductory comments about how we roll, mm-hmm. which is Pete and I were introduced at a, a Ramdas retreat in Maui um, and have been there quite a few times together. And we got introduced at breakfast. I don't know if you remember this, Pete, but uh, we just started talking and then we looked up and they were serving lunch. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. You know, we we started talking at breakfast and we just kept talking. Then the next thing we knew it was lunchtime in the, ca- in the cafeteria. So, you know, our conversation has always been very fluid and also, you know, spans all the kind of arenas that a lot of you all are uh, interested in, which is the spiritual practices and, um, you know, creative uh, expression. And um, also Pete was on my podcast and talked quite a bit about a very grounded approach that he has to business, which is kind of which kind of intrigued me at the time, um, that he was quite uh, aware of that aspect of of being a creative person, being a spiritual person. Um, his wife Val uh, went on to take our um, mindfulness meditation teacher training program that many of you have taken, um, and um, we have another one coming up that I wanted to mention. It's uh, um, starting on May eighteenth going to be weekdays so we give you back your weekends for the for the uh summer i didn't want to take away people's weekends on the summer right after all this couple of years of holding up the way we've been doing it so we have a special offer for everybody who's pete's friend here um which is 50 percent off the level one introductory program which starts may 18th um and we'll flash that into the um into the chat and we'll also be sending you a follow-up email so if you're part of this uh, gathering only, that that's going to apply, and we'd love to have you join us for that if possible. So, um, without further ado, uh, Pete, you know, I I binge watched on how we roll last night. I'm so touched. Yeah. Before you, before you tell me about that, which I'm I'm very excited that you did that. Um, I wanted to say about that story. I didn't know who you were. And I think that's important to note 
because it makes it more pure. You know? <laughs> like there, there's a, I, I know you know this, it's like in spiritual communities, there's still a bit of, uh, you know, uh, brown nosing, I guess we could call it, or you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, the guy is here. It's the guy. Mm-hmm. And and then you might milk the conversation. I know mm-hmm. I would. I'm the kind of person to be like, this is the guy. Everybody talks about the guy. I'm going to try and be special. That's my addiction. I'm a specialness addict. So I'm going to try and prove my specialness by making this guy talk to me for two meals. And that wasn't what was happening. We started talking, and I, I think I'm in good company here then regardless of what you do creatively or professionally, we all share in common uh, a shared conundrum, a a shared embracing of the mystery. Like we don't know what's going on here. (laughs) Um, And, and, and there's a, there's an excitement to that. There can be a despair or whatever, but some of us are really lit up by that. And when I meet other people that are open to the melancholy of it, open to the excitement Mm -hmm. of it, but really don't want to deny it, and and would like to talk about death and would like to talk about what is this? That's the big, what is this? What's going on? What's looking at your eyes? And when you have somebody as calm as David, I get all worked up. I'm already worked up. But David is just very, he's like the, the, the sand and I'm like the waves. I just kept crashing and crashing and crashing. And you were there for everything that I threw at you. And I've been such a fan of yours ever since. I also want to say, because I always forget to say things like this. I'm very... Uh, honored and humbled to to be here. And thank you for asking me. Wonderful. Yeah. I mean, there are so many directions that we can go in. Um, so I, I just thought I'd start with the creative aspect, which is because as, as you know, Pete, I'm, um, as they say in that hair club for men's commercial, you know, I'm, I'm a friend, but I'm also a fan. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I've gone to Pete shows over, over the years and uh, I was a big fan of, of crashing, which had a great premise. If you haven't seen it, you can still check it out. But he was a young comedian and and um, hitting uh, New York and without a place to stay. So each week he stayed at the uh, home of a different well-known comedian. Great elevator pitch. I use. I use that I was use, a great elevator pitch. Well, just, I mean, yeah. I could riff off of that right away because anybody on this trying to sell a show or any creative project. There's the show you sell and there's the show you make. You just said the show you sell. Right. And that's something that they taught me is the pilot you write or or the way that you present your vision for the show is often 10 times more marketable, 50 times more exciting than it actually is. Yeah. Um, because, because so many shows that we love really aren't that exciting after they get going, but you need to, you need to make it itchy. You know, when you when you try and sell something, you go like, you want them to feel creative. So yeah. you say something that's that open-ended and then the executives go like, wait, I know comedians. <laughs> and then they start picturing like, well, what if he stayed with this person? And then when we did the show, I ended up staying with Artie Lang for like most of it. And then I get my own apartment. I think it's season two. So the, I think that's like one of the more interesting things I learned creatively and from a business standpoint is like, when you're writing a pilot, one other thing, I remember when I was writing the pilot, Judd was like, in a pilot, there needs to, you need to stop a burglary or something. And that's literally what we did. Pete is <laughs> mugged in the pilot. Oh, that's the only so- stunt I did. And I was like, and I was like, why? Like, I like shows like Girls and, and Mad Men, all these like subtle sort of slow shows. And he was like, yeah, you can do that. 
after you have a pilot where you stop a robbery. You have to, you have to stop a robbery. And I was like, okay. It's yeah. like that moment where you realize my character might be like so downtrodden and so sort of passive. Like yeah. even I would yell at the TV and be like, you got to stick up for yourself. But at least in the pilot, you see the potential <laughs> that maybe later he'll grow into something inert in him that is brave. Um, but you had to see it in the pilot. So th those are those are two little, uh, not just show business, but just creativity things. You're right. trying to sell. I have a friend who's a musician and I was talking to him. I was like, you know, one of the more interesting ways people are selling albums now is uh, video games will will make the album the soundtrack to the entire game. Sure. And I think that's just like, it's still, the, it's the same album. You know what yeah, I mean? But now yeah, you have yeah. an exciting way to kind of sell it. Not yeah. Grotesque, but sell it. Well, so on that note, what would the elevator pitch be for the new show, which is how we roll? Well, I'm lucky I didn't have to pitch it. This is this is a, well, a new... Well, well, you do now. You got to get these folks to watch it. Uh, <laughs> You know, I understand what you're saying, and I really do want everyone on this call to watch it. But there's something really beautiful that I'm experiencing when it isn't your baby, mm -hmm. um, that you don't have to be involved in any element other than acting. And going from Crashing, where I wrote every episode for the most part and was in every scene, that's true, and was in the edit and was in the, you know, the sale of it, the the... PR, the, the press tour and everything. It was exhausting. And this, like, no actor, you can't ever listen to an actor complaining. It's one of the, <laughs> it's one of the cushiest, if you like doing it, it's smooth, it's fun. Jerry Seinfeld has a great joke where he goes, lights, camera, say what we told you to say. <laughs> it's like the hard job, the hard part is thinking of what they're going to say. Like, mm. if, if you have to figure out how to say it, that's that's mm. sort of like a fun puzzle to figure out rather than the the blinking cursor on a blank screen that being said i do like the show it's a it's about a guy named tom smallwood who, who gets laid off that's my character in real life he got laid off on christmas eve from an assembly line uh in um in michigan and the thing that he was good at just happened to be bowling he was a very good bowler true story and he was like well why don't i just try and go into these tournaments and this is something that you and i often think about it. It's, it's making that leap from something that you just like doing open mic comedy uh, or bowling and going like, I'm going to take that chance. Mm. And I, I feel like not to be too like Ted talky, but I really feel like crossing that threshold requires a certain level of, it's a little bit insane. It's a little bit delusional. You know, you, you, you're not good yet, but you think you could be good. Mm. You, you get little hints that you might be good. But there are a lot of people like better than the people you see doing comedy or doing anything that just never had the uh, the necessary arrogance to to cross over the threshold. Does that make sense? Like very talented people get stuck of worthiness of going like, oh, that, sure. that's for other people and less talented people who are arrogant or have narcissistic personality disorder just go, of course I'm good enough. And this is where you get mediocre, successful people, but you have a lot of no. talented, unsuccessful people. Mm. So it's, it's, it's way better to, to delude yourself just enough. It's a bell curve. You delude yeah. yourself too much. You never, you never progress because you tell jokes and you bomb and you think oh, I did well. 
You have to think you did okay. You can't be like, I killed. You can't think you bombed because then you'll right. quit. But you can't think you killed because then you'll, you'll, you'll never improve. Well, it sounds like genuine humbleness. Well, I, God, that's not common in this business. No, but no, but I mean, it's here. not, it's not, uh, humbleness is not like, oh, I can't do it. You know, I suck. It's a sort of, you know, metered sense of what one's capabilities are and willing to take a chance. I like it's, that. It's metered. kind of, it's, it's middle way a little bit. We, we, it is middle way. We have an overdeveloped, as a culture, an overdeveloped criticism of, of cockiness, of people that are mm-hmm. too confident. But we don't address that on the other side of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody, and I know tons of people like this, I, it, like if you could sell it and bottle it, just like a little bit of self-assuredness that, that you could give somebody and be like, go out, go out, go out. It's good enough. It's good enough. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You deserve yeah. to be heard. Uh, you know, it would help a lot of folks. You know, in the, in the kind of Buddhist way of thinking about this, there is a sort of natural confidence that's not that is not based on being puffed up or or too much um, dualistic self appraisal, but actually engaging your, you know, some kind of genuineness, um, which which could be mixed with not an overblown, over puffed up thing, but a, a kind of willingness to step mindfully, step one step at a time. And there's ways to cultivate that. I think practice cultivates that. Um, and a lot of people in practice have the exact same experience what you're talking about, which is they might be too harshly self-critical or they might be too arrogant, you know, and neither will really get you through a 45-minute meditation session. Well, that's what I think is interesting about the, the the spiritual path as a whole is that it shows you how special you are and then it shows you how unspecial it is to be that special. So it's this, <laughs> this, really, it's this really interesting paradox. Like, will... Through practice, you can learn that you are the Godhead. It was one mm. way to put it. But then you also have to realize that your racist drunk Uncle Steve is also the Godhead. Like, what mm. a drag. Like mm. you, you you almost like lure the ego in with the promise of specialness. And then as your homeboy says, it's the ultimate disappointment. You go like, wow, yeah. oh, man. But you know, to to Buddhism, I I like when Buddha. This is an interesting question for you. Is there a similar dignified worthiness that you have to embrace to become enlightened or to, or to even be on your way to enlightenment. Meaning in the story, Buddha is, is meditating under the tree and, and he's tempted and correct me, you, you will, uh, if I get this wrong, but the devil or whatever the demons ask, who are you to be enlightened? And if I'm getting this right, the Buddha touches the earth. Yeah, and yeah. I love, and I love that. That that's the same answer to who are you to write a book? Who are you to get on stage? Who are you to speak at a at a meal when grownups are talking? Um, <laughs> your your ticket to the show is yeah. evidenced. It's it's here. You are here. You've already you've already arrived. You didn't come into the world like a stranger. You came out of the world, as Alan sure. says. You grew like an apple on a tree. So that's your ticket. Like they say, write what you know, right? But everybody knows something. Yeah, That's what I, it took me so long to figure that out. I grew up religious. I got divorced. I still didn't know what was special about me until I, in my material way, a non-spiritual way specifically, but I touched the earth and I said, I, oh. my, the authority with which I speak is, is my voice. It's, it's the fact that I exist 
in this reality. That's, that makes me worthy to, uh, to try anything I want. Well, and technically, if you're going to ask the question, who are you to speak up? You'd have to ask the second question, who are you to not speak up? Yeah. Because you, you can derive your sense of identity either way from a poverty mentality, we would call it, you know, or from an overabundant sense of, of pride. And well, that's, they're that's both really sort good. of missing the, you know, it, it, using bowling as the analogy. One would be Please. the left gutter and the other would be the right gutter. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're circling around. The, the, two, uh, the two extremes are often the same thing. You're just bolstering up some nonsense by either beating yourself up or, or, or building yeah. yourself up. But right in right in the middle, and yeah. and it will it will stink. You know what I mean? It's actually kind of nice to think that uh, Siddhartha or, or the Buddha was was probably bad at meditating. Like I, I I like to think of these at first. You know what I'm saying? Like the way that I was taught about Christ is we thought he was perfect right away. But as I grew older, I started to appreciate why was he a disciple of John the Baptist? Why did he get baptized? This, the, there are these huge parts of the Christ story that we overlooked because we thought he came out of the womb spinning a cane with a top hat and he was already and he was already God and he was perfect. And that may be. I'm not saying I know, but I found more value in going, there were stumbling blocks. Mm. That is that is how that is where God is hiding in my experience. It's mm-hmm. in the mistakes, it's in the failures, it, it, mm. it's in doing this is what Richard Rohr says. We come to God by doing it wrong, not by doing it right. So mm-hmm. we we sort of turn Jesus, not to change the tone of this conversation, we turn Jesus into a, a Superman story. He came from Krypton and he breathed our air and he was invincible. I get way more value out of a Jesus who felt the need to follow John the Baptist and knelt before him and received a baptism. That That's a yeah. really big plot point that people that believe that Jesus was always perfect or always complete, or was was already God uh, to kind of step around, and, and you'll see the gospel writers begin in their accounts. So, like he did it, uh, he did it because he wanted to show that he was like a groovy guy. You know, I, I my own personal way of looking at it is that's how that's where God is. It's in the brokenness. It's in it's in the incompleteness, and it's in the in the humility. Well, you got a perfect analogy with the bowling. Thank it's you, David. David analogy. is my agent, everybody. We're I'm, I'm going to keep gonna bringing bring back to the bowling. <laughs> Somebody bowls a 300, you know, perfect game. That's what you're, you're talking about. And if you want to see your favorite teacher, whether you call it, you know, Jesus Christ or Buddha or somebody actually get to meet, were they like throwing 119, 138, and then they kind of did some practice and then they got their game up? Uh, and then did, did, did or, they... Did they realize that a lot of it's in having a good 238 average rather than like every time you're out there, you're going for 300 game? But that's what holiness is. <laughs> holiness. So Richard Roy taught me this. Holiness is wholeness. It's yeah. accepting yourself even when you're not meeting this mark that your ego yeah. made up, that you're supposed to be, your feet don't touch the ground. You're uh. supposed to be able to say everything belongs, including the days when I hate everybody, including mm-hmm. the days where I'm angry and I don't feel like giving or being funny or whatever it might be, anybody can polish themselves so much that they sparkle. That's just show business. That's just that that's what Elvis business. Presley was doing. That's what Michael Jackson was doing. Like, just show them when you twinkle. Real spirituality is being like even the broken bits, even the shadow, even the darkness, even the crucified 
begot like loser basically i'm saying loser with love you know i love yeah. jesus i'm just saying culturally he was seen as a loser that's that too all of that too not just the sparkle not just brushing the front of our teeth so we well, look if you good. if you if you look at the lineage of tibetan buddhist uh teachers um some were very few were considered to have some kind of high level incarnation that they're quite masterful from birth but most of them were messed up kids and mm. or represent an archetype of a particular dilemma like you know livelihood or wanting to be a fabulous yogi or um you know and and they all the process of studying for them was all about giving uh, some of that up and, yeah. and back into the mix um well, this is and then you know, and and so, so you're really you're really uh, onto something here, Pete. Which is working with what you have. Um, you know, we we call it making friends with yourself. How how, yeah. how and really making friends with yourself. So, yeah. um, you 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 coming back to how we roll for a second. You seem much more relaxed to me about this project. It would, oh, and maybe that's it's just maturation for me. Yeah, no, no you seem great, at ease in a different you. way. You know. Well, because all I had to do was act. Usually, mm-hmm. when I when when I was doing crashing, I wrote their lines, and I know how sure. I wanted them to say them, and they're not doing it. So I can see in my eyes that I'm going, <laughs> "You shithead! You you're like you're, you're ruining my show." You know, yeah. with this, I'm like, "Hey, hey, man! I'm just happy to be here." So Ramdas, who I was thinking about that whole time, mm. um, Ramdas's falling upward moment, I think, was his stroke, and I I, I always joke. My favorite Ramdas is post-stroke Ramdas. When I was a younger man, mm. my favorite Ramdas was whip smart, you know, mm. silver tongue. Mm. Not meaning he's lying, but like just like an amazing speaker because that mm. appealed to me. I was like, look, this mm. guy can command a thousand people, and he's got them hanging on his every word. And then after his stroke, and after I got to sit with him, I was like, this is what it is. It, 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 it's this. It's on the other side of this brokenness. Um, yeah. He has this great story though, where he there was he was on a silent retreat and um, he met his roommate before they were silent, told him that he was the vice president of industrial loans for a really large bank, and uh, he said, "How did you get into that?" And he said, "It's a funny story. Out of college, I got a job as as the vice president of an industrial loans for a large bank." And I was doing it and it was very serious work. And I was telling people no all day, turning down all these loans. And But I, I was promoted and praised for being this hard-nosed guy. But then he, like so many in the 60s, 70s, uh, started doing acid. He started going to ashrams. He started living in caves. He started a, a practice, all these different things. And he completely dropped off, lived in a commune, didn't do anything. Then one day he's starting getting etchy again. He kind of gets the feeling like he wants to be back in the world. And he's in, I think he's in Manhattan and he runs into the guy who was his old boss. And he said, this is so weird that I'm seeing you today. We just fired the vice president of industrial loans and no one was ever, ever better than you at that job. Mm. Would you like to come back? Mm-hmm. And he said, so I came back. And Ramdas said, what, what is the difference between, you know, when you did it, as that was your life and after, after your spiritual path. And he said, before, when I did it, I was the vice president of industrial loans. Now, when I do it, I'm just hanging out with people all day. Mm-hmm. And I would think that every single day, David, especially coming out of the, the very strict quarantine, finally being back on a set with other people, 
I literally thought about it every day. And that's probably some of that relaxedness that you're seeing. I was like, yeah. I'm just hanging out with people. Like I'm just trying, just like I'm doing with you right now. It's like, mm-hmm. can we bring it all here? You know, mm-hmm. I know like, guys, please don't misunderstand me. It's a, it's a sitcom and, and it's, and it's a fun, funny show, but it, it's, it's a sitcom, you know? So I can't, <laughs> I can't front like I'm doing something that is in and of itself profound. But I, I was able to find this unexpected depth by trying to connect to whoever I was talking to because all I had to remember was, what, six, seven, eight lines in the next scene? And if you forget them, we're going to do it again. So, mm. like, you have this great excuse. Is it being done to, with a live audience, Pete? There's a small audience, yeah. It's, it's like 30 people. Yeah. And the, they, so they have to sweeten it. You know that word, yeah. like sweeten mm-hmm. it. Sure. Yeah. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest right now? Are you feeling lonely, unappreciated, or misunderstood? When you keep these feelings bottled up, they can affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's a great way to increase your self-awareness, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now. Yeah, you know what? It, um, it's interesting because I'm sure everybody will, I see in the chat, people are, Saying they're going to see it this weekend, or they pick, you know, they picked up on it already. It's so, on Paramount Plus, but now is the time to watch because they're watching the numbers, and I'd like yeah. to keep hanging out with people every day. <laughs> yeah, it, it, but <laughs> like, it's on. Yeah. It, it, it's on. Remember, major networks is on CBS. Yeah, if you're in a hotel and you're in the yeah. single digits, uh, just wait <laughs> around; it'll show up. But um, the the um, tone of it is classical vintage sitcom. It's it's you know it's happening now. And you know who your character reminded me of in a weird way? I bet you're never going to guess this. So just think of like really vintage sitcoms. Well, I would guess you would say Jack Tripper from Three's Company. No. <laughs> just because I look like John Ritter. That's no, no, not look me. like. Not look like. Oh, okay. Go, not back, go, back, like. go back further. Well, knowing you, it's further than Three's Company. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to get it. Just you're going to just. The Honeymooners. Oh, really? Jackie? Yes, Houston? because wow. he's a blue collar guy. Yeah. With with kind of, uh, you know, little flurries of like, I could have, I could do this, I could do that, I could do a thing on yeah. TV. Oh, but he always nice. breaks down into a kind of uh, very human level relationship with his wife. It's probably, probably not many people have seen this, but it's a classic. No, early I'm glad sitcom. I didn't. I'm glad yeah. I didn't guess it because that would have looked very arrogant if I was like, well, clearly one of the greatest that ever did it. I yeah. love Jack and Gleason because he, he always said he wasn't good enough to rehearse. So they would always <laughs> roll on the first take, the, mm. like no rehearsal, because he just wanted to... That sounds like a guy that's trying to be present and have yeah. actual reactions, which are always, are always the funniest. You know, he puffs up and then he breaks down. Yeah. Um, and his wife is always like the ground. You know, yeah, she always brings him right. back to touching, talk oh, about right. touch, think, touching the earth. Yeah. I think you're right. 
I think you're right. Well, it's really interesting doing this show. I'm reading this really great book. I recommend it to everybody. It's called Tribe. And it's about how the more successful we get in Western society, often the less happy we are. Um, they talk about people immigrating from other countries, poorer countries, get to the United States, make more money, and then they report much higher levels of depression. And I can attest to that. I Working in show business, I know a lot of people who don't have a million dollars. They have hundreds of millions, some of them, like tens and whatever, millions of dollars. Huge people. Um, these aren't, by the way, this is not Judd or Conan. These are not the people that I've worked with. I've just met other people. And I'm telling you, man, their 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 mansions are are mausoleums. They re they really are. Um, they're 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 really nice. They're tubes with central heating. Oh um, God, mausoleums. That's they are. It, that's I, like a because, country song. We got to write it. Your mansions, uh, mausoleums. Mausoleum. It's not bad. But there, a, a lot of those people, and I'm telling you, the first time. A lot of these people I've only met once, but they'll invite you over to use their pool. They're they're just so desperate to get people to come over because if you live in Malibu on a mountain, the only difference between a, a, like a it's a very nice prison unless you can get lots of other people to drive an hour and a half and come over, which yeah. you really can't. Which is why you start inviting everybody. Now <laughs> I'm not I'm not putting them down. That's just a different kind of suffering, and and I respect that. But like, well, it's like doing, a god realm, isn't it? It's in the six it is, realms. It's, it's, the it's god a god realm, realm but the it's jealous not, god realms. Yeah, it's not a good god realm. I don't, I don't, I don't like. <laughs> I'm saying it's a hell realm, actually. Yeah, it, wow. Because because there's nothing. You ever watch like a YouTube of like a a tour of like a hundred and fifty million dollar mansion or something, and you're like, this yeah. is a scam. <laughs> you bought into something. You think that's what success is. So an architect who's, I'm in my scenario, I'm imagining them to be the smart one. An architect designs a $150 million house that you would buy it, that they could use that money to live in community. That's my fantasy because that's, that's what Tribe is all about. To bring it back to the show, I've never been happier because when I was doing uh, How We Roll, again, every day I was with the same people. It's It's not, it's not rocket science. We all know summer camp was a special time or living in the dorms in college or whatever, but we lose it. And then we all get into that hoarding mentality. Just get lots for yourself, get a huge flat screen and a PS5 and, and just leave everyone else outside the gate. Uh, yeah. And that is a, a really quick way to depression for sure. And that's yeah. why I'm so grateful that my, my work has a social element. Because I, I'm an introverted extrovert and, and without being forced into community, I, I don't know if I would seek it out as much as I should. So speaking of community, Pete, like the we had such a beautiful um, gathering there in Maui for, you know, 10 or more years. Uh, That's I think exactly so. what I'm talking about. That feeling yeah. of eating your meals and meeting David Nickturn, that is what human animals were doing for millions of years before, yeah. or, or, or maybe thousands of years before we started doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a loss. I mean, you know, we went back in, um, in December, you know, we had the first one in several years, of course, without Ramdas, but, um, and, and, the absence of Ramdas is almost another kind of presence. Wow. I don't know if you've been feeling that. It's like there's, he, he has, and this is true of certain kinds of people. They create a space that absolutely is not limited to their physical uh, presence. 
Know? I wish Raghu had listened to me. Uh, I, I always said at those Ramdas things, the most popular event you could have had was just put, uh, you know, by his own. Uh, it, I, I'm not saying put Ram because he was in a wheelchair. I mean, don't put him against his will. Have him go up on stage and just sit there uh, for an hour and let us all just kind of vibe out with him in silence. That would have been the most popular thing we could have done well it was close exactly it was close to that saying. though wasn't it i mean it, on it, the last day but the I, last I mean, time like no i mean even before that he was just speaking very sparsely and i am i know loving forget the talking now. forget yeah. the talking yeah. i'm telling i'm a, a different producer is coming in <laughs> i don't want ragu up there i don't want kd up there i don't want lama suryadas up there yeah. i don't want anybody up there yeah. just ramdas dim the lights Groove out, light some candles, wow. because I'm telling you, as somebody who spent quiet time with Ramdas, that that's my point. Is it's not the stories at a certain point. It's not the stories. It's it's what they call the bob. So you know, yeah. the, just the vibration. Sure. And, sure. and 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 I I think I hope I'm representing him correctly. He, he would say that that was his skill. Was was sort mm -hmm. of transmitting Maharaj. He would always say, it's not me, it's not me, it's not right. me. But, uh, and I'll give him that. And you are the one that's transmitting him. So it is you, it is you, it is you. So like, mm -hmm. like, just let us, let us groove with that. Uh, as I'm saying this though, his picture's on my desk. I can hear him saying, don't be silly. Where could I go? I mean, I, I know that we're all, we all flew to Maui, to, uh, Maui. Yeah. To be with him. Yeah. Um, but he's no less there. That's just our problem. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> that's our own problem. <laughs> well, and you know, in 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 the Buddhist tradition, there's a a practice called Guru Yoga, which is uh, pretty 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 far along in the trajectory because, um, you know, most of the beginning practices are sharpening up your own perceptions and your own um, resourcefulness. Uh, but at a certain point, that kind of merging with that mind space that that can be represented by somebody who's quite evolved into it. But it doesn't come or go in the conventional sense. It doesn't come or go. Mm. So, and it also doesn't come or go when the teacher dies. So it's not like they're hanging out in some kind of supernatural state. That's not what I'm talking about. But there's a certain sense of presence, which definitely uh, we felt, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And, um, you know, at the end of it, I feel he was just holding that space pretty much. That's what he was about a lot of the time. I mean, I you went, you went and studied with him personally, on. though, right? You went and spent time with him personally. So I don't know mm -hmm. if you want to talk about that, but that that seemed to be it's in your book to a certain extent, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's well, you like the story. I like the story too, because I'm a student of Ramdas, and he would always go towards the embarrassing and and the broken, mm. and the and the personal, mm. because um, I was just talking to Val. I would, uh, is it okay to be dirty on this? I think so. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's a there sponsor. This? Animal, yeah, and maybe the kids, could, parents could put their hands over the kids' ears for a minute like we used to do, you know? Oh, my God. Well, yeah. I won't swear or anything, but it's just like, I just remember if you if you were raised um, Christian, mm. um, you were raised thinking that sex was bad. I, that's a mm. generalization, but in, in my case, it was true. And and then when I found Ramdas, um, there was a, for me, when it was just me and my headphones listening to him talk, there was absolutely no problem. But then when I got to the retreats, uh, Val used to joke, it sounds like we traded Jesus for Maharaji. Mm -hmm. Maharaji Jesus is what you would call him. 
Mm. And we're still singing songs to God. Now they're just mm. in Sanskrit. Like what is like what is the difference? And you know wow. what else we're doing? Uh, yeah. That that like look, I can't know other people's hearts, but it sometimes seemed like we would be on our church behavior. Not always. This is why I love KD because he'd, he'd be as grumpy as a, as right. a, as a as as he is, yeah. and I would always be drawn to that. And you're right. that way too. You're always real. But you'd you'd run into some of our khaki and polo behavior where everybody's nice uh, because you want to look like you have the fruits of the spirit, as we call it. You want to look like you're a a gracious, kind, patient, loving, compassionate person. So, of course, what do you do? You smile and you're nice. But but really, like those gatherings would often make that sexual repression flare up. Like I'd feel like there was a part of me that was like, don't you put me back in a cage because I know what happened last time you loved God is you cut off a whole side of yourself and, and I won't allow that. Um, and that really came to a head. That's the story I told in my book that when I went to my first retreat with Ram Dass, you're alone most of the time. And, um, and you're talking about just a one-to-one retreat, right? Yeah. This is, these are, this no, that was a special is. thing that he did. This is not a group retreat. No, no. Yeah. No. Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. I'm a specialness addict. Thank you for pointing out how special this was. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you 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 stayed in his guest house basically. Uh-huh. But it was like a day of silence, and then you'd see him for an hour the next day, maybe two hours. Mm-hmm. Then a day of silence, and two hours the next day. Then a day of silence, and a, then a goodbye. That was pretty much it. Yeah. So it's mostly a silent retreat. And again, I I don't know what company we have here, so I'll keep it mild. If you want the really dirty version, you can read the book. It's in the book. Um, yeah. It's in the book. I'm pretty sure you get it free at the library uh ebook too. But um no, 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 no. But creativity, so, spirituality, making a buck, making buy a the buck, book, everybody. Not supporting public <laughs> services, making a buck. Yeah. Uh but anyway, yeah. I was overcome with like my sexuality, like coming up. And let's just mm. say nobody else was there, if you get my mm. meaning. So yes. like I was obsessed with not being a bad boy and being a good boy. Yeah. And um and I, that that's what I'm talking about, that wholeness, that holiness. I, I, I wasn't yet, I hadn't re- reconciled with my humanity. Like it was yeah. like, I'm good when I don't do this and I'm bad when I don't do this. How about mm-hmm. something way more grotesque and actually offensive to the human mind, which is like, you're accepted full stop, period. Like we don't want that. We would rather earn it. Would rather... We let we fetishize it, not just in Christianity and all of spirituality. We get off on I'm in, I'm out. I'm in, I'm out. Mm. I meditated, I didn't meditate. I was holy, I was unholy. I was mean, I was petty. I was like, and we try to keep. It's the same game everybody's playing. We just have beads in our pocket, like a lot of the time, and, and we think it's the performance principle. It's what Paul in the New Testament calls the law. It's this feeling that we have to earn it. Because we were actually turned off by what I would call the unconditional infinite love of God. That's the best line in my book, by the way. It's why I wrote the book is, is there's a line that says, there's nothing you can do to make you closer to or further from the infinite love of God. We're accepting duality just for this moment. Uh, but there's only things you can do that make you more or less aware of that love. Mm-hmm. That's what this conversation is about. This isn't about saving you or cleaning you or washing you or making you worthy. This is trying to tune your radio into the fact that you were born worthy. So I didn't, I didn't do what I tried not to do that time. But then the second time, and people don't know this, the second time I went to my Ram Dass retreat, I still have the note. I went in the room 
And there was a, a thing of lotion and a thing of Kleenex by the bed with a note um, from around us that said, welcome back, Pete. Uh, I, think, <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was really great. Because I don't think he wrote it, but I mean, they conspired yeah. to, to, to make a joke of it because they had read the book by that point. Mm-hmm. And they were like, will you get over yourself, your small yeah. S self? Will you get mm-hmm. over it? Mm. Just like, come inside, come inside, come inside. Stop waiting for an invitation. Well, you know, the, the notion of, um, and of course, different tribes talk about this different ways. So um, the notion of some kind of ground awareness that does not come or go and is fundamentally unfabricated. In other words, you can't make it up. Um, it, it's, it's already uh, sort of self-existing in a way, but it also therefore cannot be destroyed. And it's, you know, we use words like Buddha nature, bodhicitta, basic goodness. There's all kinds of ways people are trying to point. And traditionally, you can't explain it totally. You point towards that experience, yeah. you know. And of course, then different people are going to go, well, I don't understand that language, what you're saying. But because you're pointing to an experience of uh, unfabricated experience of reality that is not based on your ideas about it. Good or bad. I love that. Yeah, I, love that. Or- I was just saying to somebody uh, yesterday. I was saying the reason I'm, and I will always be obsessed with spirituality is because it's interested in that which does not change and everything else is changing. Yeah. The, the great question, what were you worried about a week ago? Mm-hmm. What was I worried about this morning? I can't even remember. So all of that mm-hmm. stuff, this is Rupert Spira, he would say is not essential to you, meaning it does not make up your essence. Yeah. So what you're talking about, Buddha nature, in my tradition, would call that the the soul mm. or awareness. I, I prefer knowing, knowingness. Mm. You ask yourself, and this is Rupert Spire again. Uh, please read Being Aware of Being Aware. It's the best book I've ever read. I, it's one of the yeah. best books I've ever read. Being Aware of Being Aware is so Buddhist, Pete. That's so it's a great. It's a great title. But yeah, is it no, from he, a Christian perspective? Is, is, is his teaching? I go every way, David. No, it's his. It's his. The crown of thorns on it. <laughs> no, is his presentation from a Buddhist perspective or from a Christian? There's no religious language in it whatsoever. He's sort of like Eckhart Tolle in that way. Okay, I see. I yeah, but he, I think he does say he's um, a Sufi and, oh, okay. a Christ, and a Christian mystic. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But it's all, I'm not saying this in a, a patronizing way. It's all very similar at its root is we're talking about, he says, the sacred question is, am I aware? And when you when you ask yourself, am I aware? You come back with this obvious, resounding yes that you're aware. Mm-hmm. Is like in that moment, awareness is aware of itself. It's like Alan Watts says, the flashlight points at itself ever so sure. briefly. Yeah. And the thing that is aware becomes aware, which it's always is aware. Awareness has to be aware of itself. You just sort of, like I was saying, tune into that frequency. But the, the analogy that he uses is we're all looking at screens right now, but you don't, you don't see the screen. You see mm-hmm. my big head and, and David right. That's right. looking like he's playing Xbox Live with his headset. Like that's what you see, <laughs> right? But there's a screen. But we get so caught up in the content of the screen sure. that you don't see the screen. Yeah. And that is the best trip I've been on. And I've taken a lot of drugs. That's my favorite trip is mm. when you realize that no sound is closer to you or further away from you. Like a sound might be dimmer, you might say more quiet, but it's all happening inside of you. My voice is in your headphones, let's say, so it it seems close. And then you hear a seagull going by. Uh, 
but they, they both happened closer than close. They were made of you. And yeah. what you see, something seems farther or closer, but that it's all is, cl- it couldn't be any closer. And that's what I would say God is. That's a, a good word for that. Awareness mm-hmm. is God. It couldn't be any closer. Mm-hmm. And I've had spiritual experiences where it's like, when you go to God, you're not going anywhere. You're. It, it's more, the a better metaphor would be like, going in and all this nonsense can't come through or like mm. the, the eye of the needle, you know what I mean? Like the camel can't go through, but the thing that does go through is that which knows your experience. So and Pete, Pete, do you think there's, I any mean, kind that's of, also called the good news, everybody. That's, that's pretty exciting stuff. Is there any kind of practice <laughs> associated with that though? Is there any way to cultivate what you're talking about? Or is it just something that is um, part of a view or an understanding that you carry with you? Is there any kind of, um, you know, thing you can cultivate along the lines of, of of connecting with what you're talking about? Well, it's funny, and I'd love to hear your take on this, because what um, Rupert says is he goes, any pointing your awareness in any direction, including to your breath or to a mantra or to the thought of a teacher or a guru or a feeling, is always pointing away, like it's always pointing knowingness at something. So that's always going to be a step away from yeah. yourself. He says, if I asked you to take a step towards yourself, where would you go? <laughs> like, how, how would you mm-hmm. do that, right? Yeah. So his thing seems to be more in line with contemplation, which is why I use the prompt, am I aware? Um, what is it? Who or what is it that is aware of my experience? Obviously, the classic, who am I? It's also baked into Netflix. You ever notice when you go on Netflix, it goes, who's watching? I was like, great <laughs> question. It's a really good question. So that's a good prompt too. And then it, it's more, it's it's like using the mind to beat the mind. I believe that's yana yoga. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's less of what I used to do, which was following the breath or following a mantra. And it's more just, he calls it, um, it's a, I believe it's a Kabir line. It's you, you, you sink into yourself in ever- widening circles of an of knowing so it's more of like a uh, you're trying to dissolve into that which knows um and it, it's not it's not a very satisfying answer but the truth is you just sit quietly and try to know that which knows but it, it's surprisingly natural i would find i found yeah you know open technique says brenda yeah open that's right well that's Spira coming is s-p-i-r-a and it's um uh, being aware of being aware. It's about this big. And it's one of those great books. He's a non-dualist, obvi- obviously. And every chapter just restates what the previous chapter is. So you can keep reading it. I love books like that. It's like you read the first chapter and you're like, I don't know if I get it. Well, don't worry. He's going to say it again with slightly different metaphors in chapter two, three, four, five, six, and then it's over. If you if you did correlate that, which you know can be a good exercise or over you know, overstretch if you try too hard to correlate things. But like in, in the Buddhist practice, you would have what's called meditation with support, mm. which means there's an object of attention and awareness to sort of gather the mind and, give, you know, give you know come back from the gross coarse um, uh, narrative discursive mind and bring it into a sort of more focused place. And then you'd have meditation without support, which would be, so the meditation with support would be more like mindfulness, you know, mm. specific dualistic but focused exercise the meditation without support would be more like the awareness you just rest in the awareness of what arises 
I knew you would get it. I, I <laughs> of course, I, I'm not. I, I don't even mean to make it sound like I was grading you, but I just knew you would have something great to say about that. Mm-hmm. And he he does say that. He goes like a lot of teachers will make concessions, and that's a, like I I don't feel like me personally. I could have started with just sit and notice that a bird that's far away is still as close as any other sound. And when you close your eyes, what is reality? Like what is reality to my baby when she was born before she opened her eyes? It's just, it's just perceptions. It's like non-localized perceptions that we then ascribe uh, values to like body. Like I pinch this and I go, that's my body. But really, like he he's always asking us like really what do you mean by that he means it's like a feeling that happens in consciousness made of consciousness and then you, you because you know I'm a lucid dreamer I'm very quick to get that idea because again f- forgive me guys you didn't necessarily come to hear me say all these Rupert Spira quotes but he says like if you were to have a dream of a beach tonight like a, a beautiful Mexican beach. Um, how would you experience it? Like you would make the dream, you'd make the beach out of your consciousness, but then to experience it, you would have to localize a point in that dream. And that's what we are, where God localizing itself, restricting itself, willing to restrict itself that it might experience itself in the same way that when I have a dream, I localize a bit of that consciousness, even though the whole beach is made of consciousness, the whole thing is my dream, but I'll localize a piece of it in a bird that I might experience it from a subjective point of view. And that, and that, I don't know, maybe it took a while for me to get there, but that really makes sense to me. Well, and then in that situation, because of how it's set up, the bird could actually deliver a temporal message for you. To me, the dreamer. To you, Pete. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the whole thing is, is the, and bird, also the bird has, you know, you, you know, did you see game of Thrones? They, they were just sending these birds all over the place with messages to each other. You know, um, at the level of everyday life, you know, we need messaging. We need to to get feedback from the phenomenal world. We need to, you know, get some kind of sense of small shifts that we could make that will that will be for the benefit of. Yeah. You know, little things, you know, like, you know, little things. Yeah, I, I was I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just going to say, this goes back to that liking yourself thing. I think it's so interesting when we watch a movie or a TV show, it's all the, or love somebody. It's often their foibles and their mistakes mm-hmm. that we love so much. But as as writers of our own story, we mm. just want pleasure and no conflict. And it's like, it's one of my favorite Alan Watts things. He's like, okay, you're let's say you're God, thought experiment, and you're floating in infinite blackness. Like, what do you do? Um, okay, you have a, an orgasm that just c- continually increases. Every five seconds, it just gets better and better. <laughs> how many hundreds of years? It's a great question. How many hundreds of years would you do that? Yeah. How many, how many thousands, of, thousands of years would you do it? And he says, this is Alan Watts. He goes, before you make a big red button that says something happens. <laughs> and that's what we're doing. And that's why... Look, I'm not, I'm better at it than I used to be, but I'm not, I'm not a master. I'm, we're just talking this out together. I'm just saying when Pete blows it, mm. Pete's a blowhard and, or he's too cocky or he, or he offends somebody or this, that, or the other, I'll beat myself up about it. And I'm not saying there's not room for self-examination and growth for sure. But like, 
The same thing in a movie or a TV show. I'd be like, I love this guy. Look at him. He, he reminds me of me. It's not a mistake. It's not a mistake. It's the process. It's like what Emmanuel told Ramdas. You're in school. Take the curriculum. Make the mistakes. Uh, be bad at this. Be bad at that. And 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 fumble your way forward. If the point was being perfect, I mean, we wouldn't have done any of this. I mean, the big the big it wouldn't have done any of this. Yeah. There you have it, folks. Episode number 34 of the Creativity, Spirituality, and Making a Buck podcast with special guest Pete Holmes. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please tell a friend, tell friends, post it on social media, and or give us a glowing review on whatever platform you appreciate this podcast on. We'd like to send a big thanks to the Be Here Now Network. Please head over to BeHereNowNetwork.com. Check out all the amazing podcasts there. Special thanks to Corey, JR, Sarah, and everyone at the Be Here Now Network for all their hard work. And thank you to all of you for listening. Please tune in again soon for the next installment of CSM. May you be safe, healthy, happy, and at ease. And all the best. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest right now? Are you feeling lonely, unappreciated, or misunderstood? When you keep these feelings bottled up, they can affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's a great way to increase your self-awareness change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now.